That is, that is not taking a stance and defending it through whatever means, but rather through exploring um, heuristically uh, the issues at stake, some of which are emotional. I think that's uh, essentially what the point is, and as that happens, what you'll find is that when we look at things uh, in the wrong perspective, name them wrong, we keep coming up on the wrong side of questions. I like to think of Vietnam as one of the last winnable neo-colonial wars. It was winnable, but we lost it because the American people decided that they no longer wanted to be a part of that. And so the action here in the street made it impossible. Now what will happen is you'll sanitize that war, go into El Salvador, and I think the American people, again, will make sure that that sort of thing doesn't happen. So regardless of what intellectuals, reviewers, or the establishment would say about that book, I think that there are enough people who can think for themselves to realize what the book is.
Well, we're really talking about literature here, so I, I just am um, a little loath to get off into the whole journalism of the of the war. I think we should go back to the kind of concerns that that uh, that Tim was raising, for example, and as, as it, the way that art uh, deals with politics and so on. say something I said before. I think the war is still too fresh to do that kind of thing. Do you know, it wasn't until, what, last couple of years ago that they did Torah, Torah, Torah. You know? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think you can talk politics about a, a book of the kind of sort that we'd all like to see written, and one thing that has not been done, un until you can get the other side's point of view. That is the problem with the educational system in the United States. Well, that's the subtle political issue and raising the question. O'Brien. Yes, I think that's right. I um, read, read Gloria Emerson's winners and losers on that point, too, <laughs> rather very explicitly.
All right, well, let me try it. I, I have, I have, uh, it's really out of delicacy to being in your city that I haven't mentioned my feelings about urban school boards and, and communities like that. I mean, I think it's across the board, for the most part, the school boards who are in some places responsible for choosing the textbooks that are taught in their schools have been choosing textbooks that are, are a good bargain, you know, and that's, that they're acceptable to a large number of people and therefore they're not controversial, which the war was, and therefore you, you, you can't get into that. Uh, I don't believe that the two million Vietnam veterans are reading our books. You know, I don't think they want to read them particularly. Some of them do. But I think the vast majority would like the country, would like to just put it under the rug and get it as far behind them as they possibly can. That whole point of the, the war receding in the pages of the history book as it's superseded by new crises is a, is a very real one until finally Vietnam is going to get those two or three sentences. It was the longest war in American history and 56,000 Americans were killed. And then we go on to something else. It's, a, it's pathetic. I, I don't mean to sound so cynical about it, though. Let me, let me uh, offset Cordy's cynicism here. Um, I, I may be the, the only person on the panel who is now writing a book on Vietnam. Is that true? I'm slow, you know, <laughs> getting <around laughs> to these things late. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I both hope that what you suggest is going to happen is going to happen, since my book will be out in a few years. Um, but. Uh, one part of my reaction to what you said is that uh, in the course of writing this book, recently, in the past few months, I've been talking to a lot of Vietnam vets. And um, I've found that at least they say uh, that they're thinking about Vietnam more. I constantly run into vets who are in the process of reading about Vietnam when I go to, you know, when I go to talk to them. Um, I think if that's if that's really happening to a, to any sort of large extent uh, around the country, that it's um, I mean it's both very encouraging for me, uh, but I think for the you know for the kinds of things that you're that, that you're talking about, and while um, I, I probably ultimately agree with with Cordy on the futility of it all. Uh, no, I don't ultimately agree with Cordy on the futility of it. Neither do I. I, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, th I, think, I think these things do, do happen in little steps, and that 3,000 sales of a book is better than, is better than none, and 5,000 is better than 3,000. And, and I, th I think uh, the, kinds of, the kinds of things that I feel are, are taking place just from the, the conversations that I'm having are, are very encouraging. I mean, aside from the fact that we have, we have in fact, managed to stay out of a few wars uh, so far, thanks to the whole experience, and we may be able to stay out of the one that they're trying to foist on us now. Well, my editor is in the audience. Maybe she... <laughs> <laughs> We have with us Ian Ballantyne, who has been one of the leading publishers in this country for a great many years. Ian, perhaps you can say. Books on the Vietnamese War, in the opinion of publishers currently, are safe. They are doing well. They're going back to press, usually the mass market. David Ballantyne. I do believe. the enemy viewpoint. And when that 
When you say the enemy, you mean the, the Vietnamese, North yeah. Vietnamese. <laughs> nah. Um, nevertheless, uh, in spite of um, enthusiastic critical reception, my book was turned down 21 times before it found a publisher. Um, and Vietnam played a very large and insidious role in that. Um, it went to 21 publishers. Almost all of my rejection letters were ecstatic, admitting every virtue in the book except its marketability. A number of those publishers were frank enough to clearly state that marketability for them meant it's about Vietnam. A couple of other publishers, um, another way that Vietnam was insidious, and politics too, um, was that several of them had clear political points of view on, with which they read the books. One of them really couldn't figure out what I was trying to say about American policy in Vietnam. Another one said that the book was powerful, but there weren't enough battle scenes. <laughs> this kind of experience over the past three and a half years does not uh, suggest to me that the American publishers have really opened their arms to this whole experience. I think um, we're just going to take a couple of more questions and then give the panel a vacation. Um, I'll, I'll call on both of you who haven't spoken before. I, I gotta, I gotta step in here. It's not a mistake. You're, I think you're missing the point that I knew the war was wrong. At least I was convinced of it, as, as given the information I had, which was, which was largely based on ignorance. But I was still thought that war was wrong. Um, and it wasn't intellect. It wasn't information, which decided the issue. It was a lot of other stuff, on top of the, of the uh, intellectual stuff. Um, and we, we, we can't discount that stuff family ties, leaving uh, one's life behind. Uh, I went to that war knowing it was wrong. Um, and what's interesting for me is how that sort of process works, which is a psychological process and a moral process. Um, it wasn't information. I'll go on. Yes, I know. No, I think that's an important point. But, um, uh, First place, I do think that the uh, that the journalism on El Salvador, um, particularly in, in um, 
what are they called, the prestige media, that's the term uh, the administration's using now, um, has been uh, significantly better than it was uh, in Vietnam in the early days. Uh, very much informed by the, by the uh, coverage of Vietnam and all the mistakes that reporters make forever and ever, and by, and by their basic uh, uh, refusal to distrust or to trust everything the administration says about things. Um, I have not myself seen a, a really a good political history of El Salvador, but I would not be surprised if one didn't come out fairly shortly. There is a new interesting book by um, Steve Schlesinger and um, Steve uh, Kinsler, Kinsler uh, about the coup in Guatemala, for instance, in 57. Uh, from the point of view of American policy, uh, interesting book. Um, and I'm, I, I bet you there will be a spate of them soon, um, given that there are more journalists in San Salvador at the moment than there ever were in Saigon, I think. <laughs> uh, even though there are only two million people in, in El Salvador. Well, it's also the problem of history teaching in this country, just to finish that off. I mean, there, there, there is no history taught in the schools of any sort or kind. If they only teach the Napoleonic Wars, it'd be terrific, too. Okay, I'd like to thank all of our panelists for their words of wisdom.